Food Heals Nation, what have you been doing lately when it comes to truly caring for your skin? Have you tried any of the light therapy facials or the LED masks? I've shared on this show how I use lasers to completely remove my brown spots in the past, and I love anything that can help me with wrinkles or blemishes or redness or scars. I find a lot of great products on YouTube that I test out, and I've just discovered a new brand. It's called Lima, and when you see the before and afters on YouTube, you're going to be a convert too. They are changing the way that you care for your skin on actually a profoundly scientific level. This is the Lima laser. It's the world's most powerful clinic grade cosmetic laser device and the only laser FDA cleared for at home use. Why this is important is because I was spending, I'm not going to tell you how much, way too much money years ago when I was getting rid of those brown spots when I was really healing my skin. And now This same type of technology is available at home, and I'm here for it. I am so excited. So this is a near-infrared laser light that penetrates deep into the dermis, simultaneously working on your fat, muscle, and bone to give you like a non-surgical facelift. It transforms your skin. It helps skin issues like wrinkles, sagging, blemishes, pigmentation, redness, breakouts, and scars. And it does this with zero damage, zero pain, and zero downtime. And I remember the lasers that I used to do, they did have some downtime, so this is great. Make sure to check out some of the before and after photos on the website so you can see what I'm talking about. They have YouTube videos too. But the reason it's groundbreaking is it uses that near-infrared low-level light technology, which is completely cold and painless, and it's 100 times more powerful than an LED. And the craziest part is you can even use it with a full face of makeup. So check it out for yourself. Visit lima.life. L is for live. Y is for younger. M is for masterful. A is for approved, and learn more about the Lima Laser. If you're interested in trying one today, you can sign up for their newsletter. Tell them that Food Heals sent you, and please let me know if you order one. I want to hear about your results. Again, it's lima.life, L-Y-M-A dot life. Food Heals Podcast, Episode 82. I would never, ever advise this, but... I think you have to think like a Kardashian on this point and just kind of <laughs> just no. be like, this is where my super no, fans seriously? and they're going to love it. Oh my yeah. God. And I would never advise that to anybody. Holistic Voice presents the Food Heals podcast with your hosts, Alison Melody and Susie Hardy. Join the Food Heals nation and learn the secrets to go from feeling unwell to healing yourself. Warning, side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, an increase in sexual activity, feelings of joy, cravings for kale and quinoa, and a spike in Tinder matches. In rare cases, people have experienced a strong desire to actually start using their $39.99 a month gym membership. If you experience any of these symptoms, Snapchat your trainer immediately. All right, welcome Food Heals Nation. Thanks for joining us. I'm Allison Melody. And I'm Susie Hardy. Today, we're so excited to be in the studio with Emily Turner the host of the gluten-free, mostly plant-based cooking show, Gluten-Free with Emily. Gluten-Free with Emily is your source for gluten-free and plant-based eating, living, and knowledge. Her homespun recipes infuse comfort food with extreme healthiness. 
And in addition to being a gluten-free chef and YouTube personality, Emily also has a degree from the Art Institute of Seattle in fashion design. With over five years of work experience as a freelance fashion designer and stylist, her mission is to make people look gorgeous and feel inspired. But before we get to our interview with Emily, we have to tell you about today's sponsor. Today's podcast is sponsored by Acuity Scheduling. Acuity allows you to schedule clients without sacrificing your soul. Are you looking for the perfect scheduling tool for your business? Are you sick and tired of sending emails back and forth and wasting your precious time on scheduling your clients? If so, we've got the solution for you. Yes, if you're a small business owner, maybe a massage business like Susie's or a podcast like us, where you have to schedule appointments on a regular basis, Acuity is the only scheduling tool and time management tool you will ever need. You're here to make yourself money, not make yourself crazy. And we've been there. Yeah, we have. We've gone crazy a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. (laughs) But Acuity took the Food Heals podcast to the next level and really changed our business. You know, before we had Acuity, we were spending all this wasted time on emails back and forth. Can you make it at this time? Can you make it that time? Like, it's a total nightmare, right, Suze? Absolutely. You know, and so it's so much better now. It's so much easier. The entire process is automated and we're saving all this time. And time is money. So we're saving money. Yes. Clients can see your real-time calendar availability, self-select the time that works best for them, and easily book and pay for their own appointments in advance, sparing you 89% of current headaches, mix-ups, and grunts of frustration. I've never had a grunt of frustration. Just kidding. I have them all the time. Yeah, but you're so ladylike about them. Aw, thanks. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) Anyway, if a client needs to reschedule, they can do it themselves without ever bothering you with an email. And that has been a lifesaver for Susie and I because when you get home at night and you have all the emails to respond to, to schedule something the next day, it is torture. And when you have many things going on, as you and I both do, and as our clients do, they often have multiple businesses, things come up. Yeah. And so to find a time that works for everybody was just an endless sea of emails back and forth. I can't believe, how did we do it before Acuity? I don't know. I don't know. It was a lot of time wasted, but now it's so seamless. It's great. Never let another client fall through the cracks, miss a beat, or lose a booking. You'll get notified anytime a new appointment is booked. Check your schedule right from your phone and even tell Acuity to automatically update the calendars you already use, like Google, Outlook, iCal, or Office 365. And I just love how the booking goes straight to my iCal. I know. I love that too. Mm -hmm. Gain an instant professional edge and be able to compete with the big guys, no matter how small your business. Or big your business. That's right. (laughs) Automatically, you can send branded and customized confirmations, reminders, and follow-ups via email or text message. And if you need to accept payments, you can accept payments and tips through Stripe, PayPal, Braintree, and Authorize.net with the click of a button. Go to acuityscheduling.com slash foodheals to get a 45-day trial. I mean, that's a really amazing deal, Food Heals Nation. It's usually 14 days, but you can try it out with our discount for 45 days. See if it works for you. If it doesn't, try something else, but I'm, I'm betting it will. I can't imagine how it wouldn't. Yeah, and it's really affordable if you do decide to do it. It's a low monthly fee. They even have a free version if you don't need all the bells and whistles. So there's different tiers you can choose from. Acuityscheduling.com slash foodheals. And don't forget to join our private Facebook group where you can ask questions, start discussions, and meet like-minded people who want to make the world a better place through food. Foodhealsgroup.com is where all the action is. 
Lots of action. And we want to shout out to some of our top engagers in the group. First, a shout out to Allison Amarnik, who is super active in the group, always posting helpful questions and answers. And we wish her luck as she is moving from Pennsylvania to Colorado, and we just couldn't be more excited for her. Congratulations, Allison. We know how life-changing this move is for you. We yes. both did it at various points in our lives. And a shout out to Monique Nelson from Choose to Cook, who always posts great questions and supportive answers and loves walking her dog, Asa the Pug, while listening to the Food Heals podcast. Sorry, we don't know how to pronounce your pug's name, Asa. I'm sure Osa. it's Asa. Okay, yeah. But, Osa, um, Asa. We just really, really appreciate that. And her brand is Choose to Cook, and she believes that anyone can cook delicious, healthy foods and stick to a realistic, if not tiny, budget while they do it. And we also want to shout out to Jessica Baker, who has been super active and helpful in our community as well. And I just have to share the toothpaste recipe she shared, because as everyone knows, dental health is kind of my thing. Just and I just, <laughs> just I'm, I'm not talking about it that much. And I just love her recipe. So here it is. Six capsules of activated charcoal, baking soda, bentonite clay, organic ground clove powder, organic ground cinnamon, tea tree, peppermint, and thieves essential oils. Optional stevia. Sounds good to me. I love thieves. That's great stuff. I know, me too. So to join the Facebook group, go to foodhealsgroup.com and maybe we'll give you a shout out on the podcast too. Next up, our interview with Emily. The Food Hills Podcast starts now. All right, we're here with Emily Turner, the blonde behind the brand Gluten-Free with Emily. Her website, glutenfreewithemily.com, is all about how she maintains a healthy lifestyle and how you can learn to be gluten-free all day, every day, too. Get tips on the best restaurants, where to bring a gluten-free date, travel, YouTube videos, treats, fun, and of course, mouth-watering gluten-free recipes. And Susie, I just love her YouTube channel. Let's play an excerpt from her YouTube trailer. All right, let's roll it. I'm cutting in my hand, and this is a normal thing for me because I used to live in a tree, believe it or not. Okay, let's get to cooking. All right, welcome, Emily. Hi. Hi, Emily. Hi. We're so glad to have you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for being here. So what's the inspiration behind your brand, Gluten-Free with Emily? Um, Gluten-Free with Emily was started because I really wanted people to feel like being gluten-free was fun and easy. I think people get really down about it or struggle with it a lot, and I've been gluten-free for a really long time, and felt like you can do it in a really awesome way and actually feel really good and not feel burdened by it. Instead, you can be like, oh, this is great. How long have you been gluten-free? I've been gluten-free for 14 years. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And do you have celiac? I do have celiac, yeah. So what is celiac for people that might not know? Celiac is basically, um, it's a disease. It's basically when you can't tolerate gluten. Like you actually can't break down gluten in your body and therefore gluten starts to attack your body when you eat it. And that can lead to a lot of health problems, even diseases, right? Yeah, it leads to a lot of health problems. And everyone always asks me, what are the symptoms? And the hard thing is that you can have any symptom you can ever think of. Mm -hmm. So it's a little tricky sometimes, you know, the people are getting better at figuring out how to diagnose celiac, but 
there's a lot of symptoms, but obviously a lot of the main ones are gastrointestinal, but can be like skin rashes or headaches or all sorts of issues people are having. So is it sort of, when you get diagnosed, is it sort of like a list of possible, possible reactions and then they kind of just, there's no test for it is what I'm saying. There is a test actually that people can do. I didn't do the normal test that most people do because it wasn't popular back when I first was gluten-free, but now there's like a lot more tests and it's easier to test for celiac. But at the same time, it's a little tricky because you could be having a gluten allergy or gluten intolerance. And sometimes that can be tested for, sometimes it can't. So it's like you can be intolerant to gluten and it doesn't necessarily mean it will show it on a test. So it's a little tricky. Well, here's something interesting about me. When I was younger, my dad said, oh, you need to go get tested for this disease called celiac. And I'm like young. I have no no awareness of nutrition. Don't really care. But he's like, it runs in our family. Yeah. Okay. So at the time we did the test and it came back negative. I did not have celiac okay. disease. Yeah. Now cut to years later, I'm going to an acupuncturist and his wife is a kinesiologist. Yeah. So what kinesiologists do is they help diagnose food allergies. And they said, you have a wheat and gluten allergy. Yeah. Which is so different. It is from different. Celiac, it but is different. Still. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is technically, medically, obviously, they are really different. But at the same time, they're more alike than they are different. Mm-hmm. And so when people try to act like celiac is worse than a gluten allergy or think if they have a gluten allergy, it's not as bad as celiac, it's not necessarily true. There is truth to it where gluten isn't attacking your body back the same way with an allergy as it is with celiac, but it's just as serious what it can do to you. Yeah. Exactly. And I do think that the interesting part is is that someone with a celiac or someone with a gluten allergy, they can still eat the same foods, watch your videos, for example, like go to the resources that are gluten-free and eat a really high-quality, you know, great diet yeah. and thrive. And yeah. so, like you said, they're more similar than they are different. It's yeah. like you got to reduce this if you have celiac or an allergy. And it's become this buzzword. It's become popular. <laughs> and that is the scariest part because then what happens is the products start selling all these things that are gluten-free, but then what are they replacing the gluten with? Some other crap we don't need. Yeah. Especially it's really starting to blow up the past year, and it's been a mixed bag where, like, some parts about it are awesome, where people are talking about it, where people are, like, getting gluten out of their diet because they just feel like they feel better and their stomach feels better. But then there's big companies that are claiming products are gluten-free that aren't, and they're getting actually sued, and all sorts of things are happening. That So it's like... I've actually been having more problems in restaurants lately. I actually had pretty good luck in restaurants for a long time until this year where I've been served gluten so many times after being really persistent. And so it's interesting, even at like plant-based vegan places, and I'm Mm -hmm. like, what's going on? Like, why aren't people, I don't know, it's almost become so big that the attention paid is lessening. Though I do like that there's more resources and a lot more happening in one way. It's it's kind of in a it's kind of in an interesting place right now. So I have to stop us. We have to roll back because I wanted to interject this little bit. I've never really had a noticeable problem with gluten. However, I heard this interview on KPCC, this radio station out here in LA. Love and it. yeah, and they had this western doctor, MD, on and I was just trying to look up his name and I will find it. We'll put it in the show notes. But he had this whole lecture series talking about gluten. Now, gluten, as he explained it, is a group of proteins. 
Is that well, correct? Well, no. It's an easy way to explain it, but it, it is similar. It's a protein-like substance. I don't feel like they've really defined the term. I mean, if you look it up. But it is protein-like. So sometimes they say protein's easier way for people to understand. Okay. So the way he described it, he said proteins, but so we'll say protein-like. That is in a lot of wheat products, is in a lot of cakes and cookies and breads. And that, as he described it, not only certain people, humans in general, as the way it has evolved, because wheat and grains have evolved yes. as we have cultivated them yeah. and, cha- and crossbred and hybridized and things like that, turned basically into GMOs, right? Yeah. That they have gotten to a point where they are no longer digestible by the human body in that they cause inflammation. And he was saying, this scared the crap out of me, but he was saying it caused inflammation in everybody's intestines, that the intestines were actually the fastest cells in the body that reproduce so that they, they're constantly sloughing off and reproducing, reproducing, yeah. and that when you eat gluten, it inflames them and they, they regrow and they heal. And then you eat it again and then it flames it. And then you get to a point, many people do, where your body's just like, I've had enough. Yeah. And you develop leaky gut yeah. syndrome and then you get some kind of autoimmune issue. And the way he yeah. described this whole process, really, I don't, I don't like to be scared about health stuff, but it really scared me. And it made sense because he was coming at it from a scientific point of view and a very like, this is just how it happens and this is how, and he's been d- discovering it since the 70s. I just wanted to describe to our listeners what gluten is because not everybody might know and and my exposure to it thus far about gluten intolerance. And yeah. Celiac. Well, this is the whole thing that people don't realize is that gluten is only in modern grains. So any ancient grains like rice, amaranth, quinoa, those are like crazy old in our history of our eating. And that's why they don't have gluten in it. And then there was a point when there was lots of cross hybridization. That's actually how gluten was created in that hybridization of the grain so modern grains have gluten in them like wheat and the thing that happens is that then they you know turn to GMOs and all these things and that's why a lot of times yeah like you said in modern times like people can't process gluten even if it's not exactly an allergy or celiac there just becomes this intolerance and it does affect your gut and I mean a lot of people will say these days that every disease starts in your gut yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, and that's just going to be a bigger and bigger idea because our gut is just like affects like our heart and our lungs and our brain and like so much. And when that's not functioning right, our whole body starts to not function as well. No, it's so true. And that's why like I'm so pro probiotic because I feel like. Can you say that again? With, pro, with pro, gusto? <laughs> pro probiotic. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I want to put a cape on you right now. I can do the voiceover voice too. Like, (laughs) no, she's the best. No one can top her. But um, I'm pro probiotic because I feel like if my gut isn't healthy, nothing else can be. And I know that I guess from hearing it, like what you're saying, Emily, but also because of how I feel. Yeah. If my digestion or anything with my gut health is off, everything is off. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, why gluten-free is growing as a trend is because people don't feel good. Yeah, They're sick. They're tired. They have all sorts of issues. And the reality is a lot of people are finding relief from going gluten-free. And there's many other things, obviously, you can do to increase the health, too, of how you are. But that's one of the main things is, like, everyone who chooses to be gluten-free, it's because they're sick. They don't feel good. They're like, what's going on, you know? And either a doctor tells them that they need to try it or they've taken a test or something. But it's like, everyone wants to be feeling better. 
Yeah, I want to be feeling better. And like I was told, I don't have celiac. I do have some sort of reaction to wheat or gluten. And this was years ago and I still eat it. Like I'm not 100% gluten free at all because I've given up so much that I'm just at the point where I'm like, I just got to, you know, keep forging forward, doing the vegan diet and then figuring out how to do less gluten, but I'm not gluten free. Yeah. I think that, yeah, I mean, everyone sort of approaches their diet from a different place. I mean, in the gluten-free world, we always say you need to be 100% to really feel better. I think it can vary for a few people, but the overall thing is that, like, if you're even having the slightest amount of gluten in your body, it can be reactionary. Sometimes way more than people feel realize, especially if you're a celiac or you have a strong allergy, it can actually prevent you from getting better. But everyone's kind of in their own place with it, you know? And I also think that allergies can develop and change. And so something yeah. that you are allergic to as a child, you may not be allergic to anymore, let's say, because you decided to adopt a clean diet. Or it could yeah. be the complete opposite, where you are super healthy as a child and you've developed an allergy or a disease as an adult. And that's when you have to start doing elimination diets to determine, is it dairy? Is it gluten? Is it red dye number five? You yeah. Know, who knows? Well, a lot of times it's corn too. Yeah. And that's another thing. I don't eat corn. I actually have a lot of allergies. There's a lot of things I don't eat. Yeah, there's a lot of things that also are just, again, corn has changed so much over time. And so you know, the mutation of corn. It's like people aren't eating the same corn they ate hundreds of years ago. Corn used to be like two inches long. Yeah. And really, really hard. The American Indians in the Southwest used to have to grind it down in order to process it because it was hard. It had a hard casing. There's a lot of books out there that talk about the evolution of food and how we've changed it, how we've made these big, beautiful vegetables and fruits. (laughs) But that's not how they used to be. I mean, we used to have a crab apple tree in my front yard. They were... I'm holding up my hand right now. I'm making like an okay sign. They were that big. They were that (laughs) big. Not this big, but apples are now. And so food has really changed. I mean, corn is not what it used to be. No, corn is definitely not. And also they used to add lime and stuff to break it down. That's where the whole lime thing came into cornmeal and stuff a long time ago. It's because it helped break down the corn before you ate it. And now like in Western culture, like lime juice. Yeah, lime juice. And they'd have it sit out. And actually a lot of grains they used to manipulate somehow to break them down before we ate them. It's just, I think it's actually going to be a trend. I saw at Expo West this year, a lot of sprouted grains are kind of coming back in and things like that so that they make them more easily digestible. There's a good documentary about corn called King Corn, and it's it's old now. It's probably yeah, I saw 8 or that. 10 years old. It's a good documentary. But it's still got really good information about yeah. how this all happened and how the corn is completely, like Susie was saying, a different form than it is now, and how you know it's basically used to make a few things. Uh, corn syrup, which yeah. is completely toxic to our bodies, but it goes into a lot of the processed food we eat, and then it goes in to feed the animals that yeah. we eat. I don't know how this is. This I'm going to get political. Okay. You know what happens when I get political. <laughs> okay. I get angry. It's okay. Sorry, Emily. It's no, okay. I don't understand how this is still a thing. Why hasn't that been changed? You know, we subsidize even people not growing corn. Like, we subsidize I corn, know. and then we were like, no, no, just don't grow corn. We'll pay you for not growing corn or whatever. I don't understand how that's still a thing. Yeah. That's my rant. food is still so behind the times. It's unbelievable. All right. Back to positivity. Sorry. <laughs> hey, you can rant. That's what we're here. That's why we have the microphone in front of us. We can speak our truth. That's true. So look, Food Heals Nation, you can look this up. You can look into this. If you feel passionately about it, let's start a petition. I think we should. You I'm know? ready. 
Yeah, Want to start something on change.org? Change. Yeah. yeah. I Jinx. mean, they make a lot <laughs> They make a lot of difference. They're reaching politicians and they're reaching people. And even if the politicians say no, at least that petition was shared on the Huffington Post. It was shared on yeah. CNN because it got enough signatures to make a difference. And there's no such thing as bad publicity. So if your petition doesn't change a thing, the publicity of the petition changed someone's mind. Yeah, and you just have to, it's like everything, you just have to keep working on it, keep working on it, keep working on it. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so let's talk about building your brand gluten-free with Emily. So okay. a lot of our listeners are entrepreneurs, they have brands that are vegan, gluten-free, they're yoga instructors, they're massage therapists, they're in this holistic health world, and yes. you have a highly successful YouTube channel, and it looks like you started not too long ago. Yeah, I started making YouTube videos about two years ago, I think. Mm -hmm. And I initially, well, honestly, I was working in fashion at the time. I was being a stylist, and I was sort of over it for a lot of reasons. <laughs> and um, So that was your 9 to 5 that you were ready to yeah, get Yeah, <laughs> and I, like, I love fashion. I didn't always love working in it, and so I was sort of like, what do I want to do? And I used to work in food years ago for myself. I used to be a raw food private chef and sometimes teach raw food classes and then I've been cooking and baking ever since I was a little kid but food kept kind of coming around in my life and honestly because I live in LA and I've been on so many sets and you see all these people have shows and you're like how does this person have a show like they're not even talented or whatever I mean a lot of people are but there's a lot of untalented people oh, when you live yeah. in LA and you go to these shoots and you're like who are these people and I was driving home from like a super long day on set one time and I was like I want a tv show and I was like, if I had a TV show, this was my fantasy in my head while driving. I was like, what would I want to do? And I was like, I want a cooking show. That's what I want. And so that was sort of the beginning of me kind of realizing that I really wanted to like kind of do something in food. I'd been gluten-free for a long time and kind of never had done anything specific with that. So I started a blog first because I, as much as I'd been on a lot of sets, I wasn't I knew like the type of videos I wanted to make were going to take some time to put together. So I started doing a blog and sharing yeah, they recipes. Look great. I mean, they must take time. Yeah, that's why it's like hard to put out a lot of them. I know. Because we know. I Don't have worry. really high production, especially for YouTube videos. Yeah, and I really, I didn't want to do that thing where I put out a part of my product I didn't feel 100% about. I've done a lot of things professionally over the years, a lot of things, and I learned that at least try to start at your best place is like at least what I wanted for myself. I wanted to put out videos I felt proud of. I didn't feel like just shooting a video on my phone in my kitchen. Nothing wrong with that, and people do great doing that. It just wasn't what I wanted to do. I wanted to feel like my show was really fun too, and yeah. so I have a director, and I have people who work on my crew. and Yeah, because I really wanted people to like be interested in living a gluten-free life in a different way than they had imagined it. I love this so much. You're just like me. So I grew up... Not grew up, but like I went to college and I learned how to shoot and how to edit in a professional way. And then as I was, you know, doing it in a professionally as a job, all the millennials are coming up and making videos with their iPhones. And I'm like, those aren't perfect. They're terrible. They're not well lit. Their background's not out of focus. And, and what's I, with that audio? Yeah, exactly. I know. And so I feel like I, I mean, you and I are actually very similar. We're very close in age, but I came up at this time where 
all the millennials were making it look so easy, but I was judging all their videos going, well, it's not good enough. It's not perfect. And I have high standards as well. And that's why I appreciate your videos. And that's why Susie and I haven't started our YouTube channel yet because (laughs) we will not just make YouTube videos on iPhones. And I know that people make themselves famous that way and I get it, but I have high standards as well. So I appreciate that about Well, (laughs) and a lot of my audience, I mean, it's changing and whatever. It's still, it's always changing, but... I kind of felt like it might not be 17-year-olds watching a gluten-free cooking show. It might be someone like 30 or 40, and they're not maybe watching all the YouTube things. They need to watch something a little interesting, a little bit more better quality. So, you know, that was also one of the things I kept in mind. I know it's actually really hard. I'm just getting into Snapchat more, you guys. Yeah. (laughs) But Snapchat's hard because there's no edit, which it's not that I'm not... Like, I sort of like to create videos more than I like to just take snippets of my life. So, Me I've too. been trying to get into Snapchat. I'm at Emily Gluten Free, by the way. <laughs> you guys want to follow me? It's for like your super fans, right? Yeah, but it's, yeah, it's definitely, but it's, it's hard for me because I'm actually so comfortable in front of the camera. But it's, it's a different perspective to think on the daily, like, shooting little videos. Because I, like, do this whole production and I plan it out and I spend weeks I would on never, ever advise this, but. I think you have to think like a Kardashian on this point and just kind of <laughs> no, just be like, this is where my super no, fans seriously? and they're going to love it. Oh my God. And I would never advise that to anybody. I swear no. to God. Okay. You're totally right. And the thing is, is like, I notice actually the people I like to watch the most are people who videotape themselves the most. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, you kind of got to do that. And I'm like, oh my God. I'm more like, oh, this is the food I'm eating and show food shots than like, this is me in my car. Even though I did take one in my car here being like, hey, I'm shooting a podcast. Yeah. But uh, yeah. <laughs> But, um, yeah, I mean, the video thing is a, you know, it's a lot of work and I feel like it's satisfying, but it's, it's, you know, it takes me a long time to do those video projects. No, you're, I feel the same way. I'm on Snapchat too. And it's like, I am like, I'll film everything around me, but when I have to film myself, I'm like, oh, that's not perfect because I want to create the background, create the ambiance, cramp the mood. And you can't throw the background out of focus and you can't make the perfect lighting situation on Snapchat, you know? And so my, my sister-in-law is all over it and she's a millennial and she's younger and she just films everything. She takes pictures of everything. She has more followers than me. And I'm like, I have a podcast and a website, you know, she's got more followers and she's her authentic true self yeah and that's what it's about so that's what yeah. I've got to learn that's what we've all got to learn yeah it's just rocking whatever you do best yep yeah absolutely I actually think I'm gonna totally switch gears to work in food full-time because I haven't been able to fully do that yet because I feel like it takes forever <laughs> in terms of um, like making the recipes or Yeah, well, just like the videos that I make cost a lot of money, to be honest. And so I'm kind of like switching gears about how I do things. I'm working on a book. I'm working on like a 21-day gluten-free challenge. And I have like some other projects that are a little different than what I've been doing because I want to kind of like shift how I've been working my brand. Even for the last couple of years, I just really wanted to build my brand. Mm-hmm. And now I'm more in like monetization zone. Yeah, no, yeah. that's awesome. And so are you still doing anything with the styling or are you fully? I don't do styling much. I actually do a lot of like healing and body work, which I've been doing for a long time. Oh, like Sus. Um, Yeah. But it's something I've done for on and off for a really long time. And I, I like it, but I like food more. 
<laughs> Everyone likes food. I do too. Yeah. I like food. And I just feel like I have so much to bring to the world. And to be honest, like, you know, entrepreneurs say so many things. But I do think it can be kind of a long road. And I've just been, like, on that road, like, working it every day. And it's easy to just get discouraged. But you just have to, like, keep moving forward. And sometimes, like, for me, I, I made the choice to have another thing I did on the side to grow my brand. Because I don't really have a lot of other resources. And I think that can be good, too, because you kind of have to you think about your business differently and things like that. And I think that's the reality for a lot of people. I think a lot of people don't have like a sugar daddy. What do you mean? (laughs) Or a trust fund. I know. I know. (laughs) Me and my sister always talk about this because we're like, oh, my God, all the people we know who just have like money in their back pocket. And we just have to grow our businesses like day by day, inch by inch. But I know it'll be really rewarding in the end. And and my whole goal is just to create resources for people to live a better, healthier life, you know? And I feel like I have a lot to bring to the world, so I just kind of keep that focus. That's beautiful. It really is. And your recipes are incredible. I'm going to try one of these delicious snacks you brought us. I brought cookies over. So, you guys, I actually normally call these Christmas in my mouth. They are. Because my my (laughs) friends named them that. One of my friends, Cindy, is like, these are like Christmas in your mouth. But they oh are a um, a coconut based cookie that have chocolate and caramel and coconut, mm. and they're everyone's favorite cookie that I make. It tastes like a healthy yeah. version of that um, caramel um, Girl Scout cookie. Girl Scout cookie, yes. Yeah, they're based on some. This is delicious. That's and I have I'm... to be. I have to be honest with you. I was like. 50-50. I'm like, this could be really good or not. Yeah. This is delicious. Good. I'm glad you like that. I know. Mm-hmm. I had one yeah. before we started, and I was like talking, you know, I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> what's, the, um, well, I, what's the gooey stuff? Is that honey? That's like caramel. It's actually bee-free honey because I made them for a bunch of my vegan friends who are really strict. Yeah. So it's bee-free honey. What is, some bee, coconut. what is bee-free honey? Bee-free honey is like a honey, but it's made out of, I think it's um cane sugar. But they make it like gooey, like honey. And I actually, because I'm not a strict vegan, I have a lot of honey in my recipes because to me it's like just a natural plain product. But I also have a lot of strict vegan friends that I cook and bake for all the time. And so I use bee-free honey, especially when I really need that honey flavor, like in these. So then I use bee-free honey. No, that's really nice. great that you can cater yeah. to all your fans. I yeah, never I even always, heard of Beef Free Honey. I always try to cater to everybody because I've had so many allergies and so many diet things, and it's easy for me to be honest. My friends are like, hey, I can't have almond. I'm like, okay, I'll make you something without almond, or I can't I'm have this. I'm licking and... my fingers right now. <laughs> <laughs> licking I'm, my fingers. I'm glad you like those. Well, I worked really hard on making good. I feel good... like such a pig right now. <laughs> Recipes, because I think a lot of where gluten-free defaults is in baking, and I mean, there's still things that I even feel challenged by. I'm not gonna lie, but you know, I really wanted to make like gluten-free vegan baked goods that are good, not like Mm. okay or I can eat that, but like no, that's awesome, that's amazing. I totally either want to make that myself or I love trying that, you know, because I think that the baking element is really where, you know, a lot of people need, like, good recipes and need to understand that. No, that stuff can be amazing, you know? So where did you start with that endeavor? Like, did you just start experimenting? Did I you- did start experimenting. I started baking really young. I started baking as a kid. I mean, my mom 
thankfully knew how to bake a lot of things. My and mom so, did too. And I was interested. So at like 8, 9, 10, I don't really remember how old I was, I really got into baking and cooking. I mean, I used to bake at midnight all the time. I remember when I was a teenager, I'd go to punk shows all the time. I was totally a punk. And um, I'd come home from like a punk show and I would like bake my family like coffee cake to eat in the morning on Sunday you know like it was sort of like my stress relief and like whatever so I got really into it and then I actually I took a break from baking more when I became gluten-free at first because it was tricky and stuff didn't quite taste the same and I didn't exactly know what to do but I just I didn't get super into it to be honest I kind of just avoided baked goods and would occasionally try to make a brownie or maybe make you know, I actually got really into making waffles. That was my savior as I made like gluten-free vegan waffles. And so anytime I wanted something bready, that's what I had. And luckily that worked for me. And then over time, I kind of wanted to get back into baking. And I did. I just started experimenting, you know, reading other people's cookbooks, just figuring things out, figuring out why there's so many dang flowers and everything (laughs) and what they mean. And I still feel like it's a process. And it's interesting now, too, because there's a lot of people who aren't gluten-free, like a lot of bakers and chefs who are just getting into, like, all these gluten-free flours. Because at first it felt like, oh, my God, do I really have to use rice flour in something? And now people are like, oh, my God, rice flour, it, like, tastes like this. Or coconut flour. I love coconut flour. So, question? Yeah. I feel like I'm interrupting you a lot. I'm sorry. (laughs) I just have questions. How many flours are in your kitchen? I'd say 15. Wow. Okay. Maybe more. Yeah. I know. So you said rice. You said coconut. What else? Just name some that. Sorghum. Millet. Well, tap, we kind of consider tapioca an arrowroot and potato, teff, garbanzo, mm-hmm. garbanzo fava mix. Uh, did I say almond? No. Um, These are all great. Yeah. This is actually perfect because it leads me to my next question. So when someone is a vegan or a vegetarian, the biggest annoying question is, where do you get your protein? And all right. the vegans and vegetarians are like, plants! But yeah. for a gluten-free person, the most annoying question is, well, how do I eat gluten-free bread? So yeah. can you answer that one? Yeah, so I get asked a lot about gluten-free bread. And this is my thing. It's like, one, I get you totally want bread and want a sandwich. But I also sometimes try to lead people away from being so dependent on bread. I do actually have a recipe on my website that's actually a grain-free bread, but I think a lot of the breads you can buy in the store are really, really processed. And that's kind of one of the not amazing things about some of the gluten-free things you can buy right now is it's a lot of really over-processed stuff. Yeah. And there's also some great products coming out, like some crackers and stuff that are awesome. But the bread situation is pretty sad. A lot of the breads, too, aren't usually gluten-free and vegan. They usually have egg or something in them. And they a lot of them have corn syrup in them and corn. And so I encourage people to kind of shift their idea a little bit about bread. Like, okay, make a wrap in a collard. You know, I was just going to say, like, yeah, lettuce wrap, leaf wrap. Like, you don't need it. You can make nori rolls all the time. I make, I mean, I even make, like, these, like, (laughs) 
buffalo cauliflower steaks at home and I just eat them on big lettuce leaves and you know I think at first two people may sound a little crazy but you can eat that with grains too if you feel like you need the grains you can eat it with a side of rice or a side of quinoa or something it doesn't mean you have to have like a grain-free meal just maybe like rethinking the bun rethinking bread and it's so ingrained in our culture you know especially like versus Asia where they they don't really have bread they do yeah. they do now because they import it or right, they have it right, for the western exactly. style people or the people they know that's from the west but they don't use it yeah so i know we have a very bread based culture but i always kind of encourage people like at least try to start exploring different alternatives or different ways to see bread <laughs> I love how you described it. It's a bread situation. <laughs> bread situation. Okay. Yeah. So I'm I'm not anti-bread, but I eat very little bread. Yeah. But when I do, I buy the Ezekiel bread. I want to okay. question you about that brand. Yes, we can talk about it. Please tell us. So Ezekiel bread is sprouted wheat. Which bread. means what for our listeners? Just so Which means and that me. they, they take <laughs> they take wheat berries and wheat berries is what makes wheat flour, which makes white flour. And wheat berries are a grain that actually look a lot like rice, to be honest. And they just grind them up and they make flour, whatever. But what they do is they the Ezekiel sprouts those wheat berries and then they make it into flour. So I they think soak them their, in water a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I don't know exactly their factory process, but they're doing something. Or of they that. let they let they let the seed germinate basically. Yeah, they, don't have to necessarily... they let it they let it germinate, and then that bread for people who haven't had it, it's a very thick kind of hearty dense you could hurt you could hurt someone with it yeah dense bread they say it's like what jesus ate back in the day or whatever hence (laughs) ezekiel bread right this is a new thing people are talking a lot about like oh i feel fine if i eat sourdough or i feel fine if i eat sprouted stuff but i question that to be honest if people really feel fine i as a gluten-free person as a gluten-free advocate i don't suggest like replacing sprouted wheat things or sourdough if you're being gluten-free it's something people can try if that's not their goal if their goal is like something else they you know not related to being gluten-free but the reality is you're eating gluten and your body if it has issues with gluten it's just not going to be good for it maybe it doesn't have as strong of a reaction initially but it is reacting in your body for sure no that's really good to hear because it's like and i'm always thinking about healthy alternatives too yeah so it's the healthy alternative to white bread let's say yeah but if you are my goal is to be gluten-free it is not a healthy alternative. yeah it's not i mean yeah i mean honestly there is this bread that i feel like and they're probably going to be happy i mentioned that but bread seriously they make a gluten-free vegan bread you can order it online it's a sourdough but it's actually a gluten-free sourdough and it has like no have you guys ever had this bread I don't think so, okay. but I was at the Hollywood Farmer's Market with Whitney Lawrence, yeah. and there is a gluten-free, delicious, organic bakery there, and they make the best bread, too, and I wish I knew their name okay, right now, cool. but just another option if you live in LA. Yeah, but there isn't as many um, gluten-free vegan options out there, but I feel like that's going to grow, and I really, like I said, I hope people really push the healthy side of it instead of the convenience process side of it. And that's the problem, yeah. because... As soon as someone finds out, like, either A, I have celiac, or B, I have a gluten intolerance, or C, I'm going to do a food elimination diet and see if this is something, then all you see right now on the grocery store shelves is gluten-free this and gluten-free that. Yeah. But that can cause you a whole host of other problems because it's processed 
food. Yeah, and you can start eating things you maybe weren't eating as much of. I mean, to be honest, I started eating a lot of corn when I went gluten-free because I ate a lot of corn tortillas. Mm -hmm. And then I realized I had a corn allergy, so then I got that out of my diet. But yeah, I mean, it is a bit of a process to figure out, like, what's the healthiest thing, what's the best thing. And that's why I always encourage people to go back to whole foods, you know, like eating just you know eating quinoa eating rice eating greens eating vegetables and there's so many amazing recipes to do that it doesn't have to be boring but it's just those whole foods are really gonna also make you have like a lot better healthy body but it's also gonna help you avoid all that random stuff that you can't even figure out what it's in it and that's even happening at the health food stores now you're just like what is this stuff Absolutely. So true. All right. Food Heals Nation, we'll be right back with Emily and we're going to find out her favorite vegan and gluten-free recipe. (laughs) (laughs) Food Heals Nation, are you looking for the perfect scheduling tool for your business? Are you sick and tired of sending emails back and forth and wasting your precious time on scheduling your clients? If so, we've got the solution for you. That's right. If you own a massage business, a therapy practice, a yoga studio, and we know many of you do, or even host a podcast like us, Acuity is the only scheduling and time management tool you will ever need. Take it from us. Acuity allows you to schedule clients without sacrificing your soul. And automate your client bookings, cancellations, reminders, and even payment with one click. And zero frustration. You're here to make yourself money, not make yourself crazy. Clients can see your real-time calendar availability, self-select the time that works best for them, and easily book and pay for their own appointments in advance, sparing you those stress headaches, mix-ups, and grunts of frustration. Before we had Acuity, we were spending a ton of time and energy with back-and-forth emails, trying to book guests, and sending them questions, and having to constantly follow up and send reminders. But Acuity changed everything. Yep, Acuity has completely automated our process and freed up our time to focus on the things we love to do, like providing our Food Heals Nation with high-quality content. Yes, so now instead of a mess of emails, we send our guest a booking link. They choose a time that works for them. They fill out our information form, which includes links to their website, their bio, their photo, and all the information we need, all in one place. Then the booking syncs automatically with our calendars, and poof, we're done. Such a time saver. Such a lifesaver. And Acuity does so much more. Yes, you can automatically send branded and customized confirmations, reminders, and follow-ups via email or text message, and even accept payments and tips through Stripe, PayPal, Braintree, and Authorize.net with the click of a button. Get started today. Go to acuityscheduling.com slash foodheals to get a 45-day trial. That's an amazing deal, Food Heals Nation. It's usually 14 days, but we scored an exclusive discount for you, acuityscheduling.com slash foodheals. We love it, and we know you will too. All right, Food Heals Nation, we're back with Emily Turner from the wildly popular YouTube show, Gluten-Free with Emily. So, Emily, what are some of your tips for buying good, high-quality produce, and why is that important? It's really important to buy the best produce because that's going to make you want to really eat vegetables, to be honest. Also fruit, but I think that people's biggest struggles with vegetables more than fruits. 
people just don't eat enough vegetables. And I actually think it's because they're just not buying the best quality. Like it's one of those things that you can't cheat on. Like you're going to want to, you're going to see like the non-organic ones that are like cheaper and you're going to want to buy those versus the organic. But the reality is the organic ones are going to have more nutrition. They're going to be healthier for you. Your body's going to absorb the nutrients better. And they're usually always going to taste better. And that's one thing I noticed. I know some people who like don't even care about eating organic, but they eat organic vegetables just because they're like, oh, they taste so much better. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, they do. And I just (laughs) also feel like almost everywhere in the world has a food market at least four months out of the year. That's a third a year year. A third of the year, you can be getting really healthy produce. And you can even get it delivered now and all sorts of stuff. There's really no excuses. And I think that, you know, that's really important. I always tell people, try to buy the best produce you can and then try to buy even better produce after that. Like, it should be a constant search to get the best fresh foods you can because that's just going to make it so much easier too. I mean, there's so many vegetables that if you buy amazing ones, you'll just want to eat them raw. You won't have to like cook them and make them a stew and da da da. Like you'll be like, oh, salads are amazing because these tomatoes taste so good, you know? Yeah. And there are so many CSA programs that will deliver the freshest, localist, most organic produce to your door. And I think that's really good if you are in somewhere that you don't have access. You might be in a food desert, but you can usually find a CSA that's really affordable or you can just talk to a local farmer. Maybe the farmer is an hour away, but they're going to do their own program because they want to get it out to people. Yeah, definitely. I actually used to organic farm and we used to do a CSA and sell it off sorts of markets. And I... Guys, what's a CSA? Community Community Supported supported Agriculture. Thank you. It's when you get a box of produce usually every week from a farmer and there's usually a pickup location. I see. Yeah, and you pay at a time and it's a great way to support farmers and it's also just an easy way for people to get vegetables. It's amazing because you can either have a central location where you pick it up, like sometimes it's the YMCA, or you can pay a little more for more expensive ones and they deliver it to your door. Mm -hmm. So it's Yeah, and there's people who are even now like working to set up CSAs for different farms and stuff and make more community programs so it can be more available. Yeah, because I know it's hard for low-income communities to access this stuff, but there are so many organizations working to make this more affordable and more accessible. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Okay, so we know why it's important to buy this high-quality produce, but why is it important to cook in your own kitchen? It's so important to cook your own kitchen. Oh, my God. I try to, like, beat people over the head with this one because you're just never going to get the same quality in a restaurant. And you're also – it is good to connect with your food, and it's good to be putting, like, fresh herbs and spices in your food, too, because those are really good for your medicinal health. You know, I think people have forgotten what turmeric is for. It's great for, like, anti-inflammatory issues, and that's why it's great to put it in your food or all these different herbs and spices actually heal us. But I also just think it's so important, especially for food allergies. Like, it's really hard to trust restaurants and even to trust other people, to be honest. And when you're in your own kitchen, like, you have control, you know? And you don't make all those little choices that even I find myself making sometimes at a restaurant. Like, I'm like, oh, I don't usually eat that. But, you know, it's in that dish they have at the restaurant, and that's the only thing I can have. So I guess I'm going to eat something that I don't normally eat you know and there's some things I never you know make exceptions for like gluten and some of my other allergies but there's things like soy that I usually never eat but in a restaurant if it's like the only thing I can have has a little bit of soy sauce in it or well usually gluten free like tamari or something I'll say yes to it but at home I won't eat that or I won't eat sugar at home but if 
a curry has a little sugar in it, then I'm eating it, you know? I'm the exact same way. Yeah. I'm super clean at home, but then when I'm out at a restaurant or let's say I'm at a friend's cookout or whatever, yeah. then I'm going to compromise a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but when I'm at home, I'm so clean. So the, yeah. the more I can eat at home the better my diet is, the better yeah, I feel. Exactly. And I know that because I know I'll compromise at the restaurant. Yeah, totally. And I just think it's better for your gut health, like the consistency of like, oh, I ate that and now I know what I ate. And like if something ends up bothering you, then you're like, oh, yeah, I had this. But you go to a restaurant and you're like, well, I kind of ordered that thing and I'm not exactly sure it was in it. And now I don't feel so great. And it's like maybe it was an allergy. Maybe it was just something else reacting. But it's really hard to pinpoint when you don't really know what's in the stuff you're eating. You yeah, know? and there's so many videos and online articles that are like how to eat the healthiest at the restaurant and they're like pick things with whole grains but the truth is you don't know what the restaurant put in their whole grains you don't know where they source the whole grains you don't know if they're organic you don't know if they have gmos and so that kind of advice drives me crazy because i'm like but that's not really getting to the source of it yeah and the oils they cook in and things like that like they cook in a lot of vegetable oil at restaurants and that's not something like i have in my home so yeah Yeah, it's tough, but you know what? We can all do it. Emily is doing it. Yeah. Susie and I are doing it. Um, Get in your kitchen. (laughs) Did you guys ever read the book or watch, see the movie Like Water for Chocolate? Yeah, Like Water for Chocolate. Yeah. Yeah. Where, okay, so it took place in Mexico and it was all about like putting food, bringing out emotionality and bringing people to orgasm and bringing people to like love and bringing all of this stuff through food. And I feel like that happens, especially not maybe all of that, but like there's so much more to the energy we put into home cooking, our mom's cooking, our mom's baking, our family's baking, cooking that doesn't happen in a restaurant it's it's definitely the energy like I remember our family garden and the raspberries and the tomatoes that we had out of there were just like so magnificent I haven't ever tasted anything since I think most people's like really great food memories come from something made in the home and also like I have these brownies they're also I'm about to swear right now (laughs) called (laughs) fuck your brain out brownies Yes. And um, <laughs> I swear to God, you make them, anyone will, you'll get laid for sure. I'm um, already, I don't know nice. that, I don't know that any restaurant can claim that, you know, just saying. No, they can't put that on the menu. Just saying. I'm already yeah. having an orgasm just thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, speaking of, so I know you have a section on your blog dedicated to this. What are some great date spots for people? Okay, yeah, some of my favorite date spots in LA. Well, one of them is sort of this new place called Gardening wine Mm -hmm. it's super hard to pronounce I may have butchered it but it's all it's amazing it's just restaurant I don't know if you guys have been there Mm -hmm. and it's all based on vegetables the chef like rethinks about vegetables in this way that's so amazing everything there is super divine it's all vegan and most of the things are gluten-free too and they're super accommodating and super awesome and helpful and they have a cotton candy machine in there too oh my god (laughs) i'm in i know i didn't request last time i was there but i was like oh i think i need to like request that next time just to (laughs) see what that tastes like um no i haven't been there yet but i've heard so many people talk about it so it's on the list i also love going to crossroads which is an all-vegan place and they are have super lots of gluten-free options i love crossroads because here's why and i know i talked about this before because in case anyone didn't hear when i used to go to vegan restaurants in la they were very incensey and hippy dippy and it was hard to find a place to go that was high-end and beautiful and crossroads really changed the game yeah 
It is high end. It is gorgeous inside. The lighting is dark. It's like going to a high end Beverly Hills restaurant with no meat. And so it makes people that I, I hang out with that aren't vegan or aren't gluten free or aren't trying to better their health happy because they can eat the most delicious food yeah. in a high class environment. Yeah. And I actually feel like I mean, it's maybe not the healthiest food, but it's still on the healthy side. They're not like, you know, deep frying donuts or something. Exactly. Um, and it's so funny because I've brought people there and they've been like, this isn't this isn't vegan, right? Because they're like eating away the crab cakes. And I'll be like, no. And then I eventually, in like 30 minutes, I tell them it's vegan. <laughs> but they just like, I mean, people don't know when they go there. Yeah. Which is kind of awesome. And they don't fun. promote it. They're just like, we're just a yeah. high-end restaurant. Come yeah, on in. I exactly. like that. I know. They're so awesome. I also love to go to Shoujin. Mm-hmm. I always go to the Culver location because I live on the west side, but I also feel like it's the more romantic location mm-hmm. for anyone wanting a romantic turn. Seriously, it's like the lights are turned down low. I think their downtown one and the Culver one may have the same menu. I don't know, but the Culver one is all gluten-free. They made it all gluten-free, which is super awesome. So it's all gluten-free and vegan sushi for you guys who don't know. And I'm telling you, have you guys been there? Yes, and I was going to say, I didn't know if downtown was gluten-free. But I know... The Culver is all gluten-free. I'm not sure about downtown. And the Culver City one is basically in Marina del Rey. Like, it is it is a little bit farther. Yeah, it's on the far end side yeah. of the Culver. Just so anyone doesn't know, it took me a lot longer to get there than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like sushi like you've never thought about it. It's not like some avocado roll. It's no, like, it oh my God. The flavors. I don't know how they came up with those. Yeah, They're I don't so either. Good. And it's like art itself. I'm always thinking like videos. And then I'm always like, can you do that again while I try to catch it again on video? <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. I have to Snapchat yeah. it and videotape it for Instagram. Hello. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah, so those are some of my favorite, like, date spots in town. Those are great. Yeah. Okay. So where can everyone find you online? You can find me online at my website, glutenfreewithemily.com. You can find me on my YouTube, youtube.com slash glutenfreewithemily. You can find me on Instagram. I'm at glutenfreewithemily. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Snapchat. Sometimes my name changes. I'm usually uh, at emilyglutenfree on Twitter and Snapchat. But yeah, I'm sort of everywhere on the social sphere. Awesome. So Google her, Gluten Free with Emily. And can you leave us with a tweetable? Right now, your body is calling out to you to nourish it. Listen to it. Feed it good food. And it'll love you back. Love it. That is so true. Tweet it to Emily at Gluten Free with Emily. Tweet it to us at Food Heals Nation. Use the hashtag Food Heals Podcast in your post. So we can see your post. Emily, thank you so much for being here. Thanks, you guys. Thanks. This was so fun. Thanks for the yeah, delicious cookies. Of course. Anytime. So excited to finish those. And we're going to leave you off with a vegan strawberry pesto recipe straight from Emily's YouTube channel, Gluten Free with Emily. I can't wait to try this. Today we're making strawberry pesto. That's strawberry besto. Welcome to Gluten Free with Emily. I'm going to make some strawberry pesto and it's going to rock your world. This pesto is a fresh, fruity take on traditional pesto. It's not blended, it's hand chopped, and it is so simple. Just six ingredients. You can make this in five minutes. Make sure you get strawberries when they're at their 
peak in the summertime and from the farmer's market, or hey, if you have a garden room in there, even better. Let's get to it. I know what you're thinking, strawberry pesto. That sounds complicated, but it's really easy and I'm gonna show you right now how to do it. Okay, make sure you put your walnuts in a Ziploc bag because I'm gonna show you how to chop walnuts faster than you can ever imagine. So take a soup ladle, like a heavy duty one, and we're gonna whack the shiz out of these right now. Okay, so just whack your walnuts until you get them a pretty small size like they would be when they're chopped and just keep whacking them. Um, and it only takes like maybe 30 seconds to do this and you're like, voila, ready. Okay, so throw those into the bowl that you have. And then you're gonna take your strawberries. You need about 12 strawberries for this recipe and you're just gonna chop them kind of, you want them to be kind of bigger, not too small. And you just throw those into the bowl also. So one by one. Um, strawberries make this so tasty and strawberries are one of my favorite absolute fruits and so that's how I got the idea to make strawberry pesto is I was like, ooh, what else can I do with strawberries? Make me some pesto. Okay, so just keep chopping them up and throw them in the bowl. Okay, once you've finished cutting your strawberries, you wanna grab your garlic and you can just peel garlic in the fastest possible way you've ever learned in your life by just smashing it like that. Again, don't cut yourself. You know, I always do crazy shit in the kitchen, but that doesn't mean you should. So um, again, you all know already that I cut everything in my hand. So I just cut little pieces of garlic into the bowl. You want about one clove for this. It just depends how garlicky you want it. Like if you're really into garlic, then go for it. If you're not as into garlic, then maybe just do half a clove. Then you're gonna grab your basil and you're gonna chop it. And the key to chopping herbs that no one probably ever told you is that start with the pile of herbs in the middle of your cutting board. And you don't wanna cut out, you actually wanna cut in. So you cut on the outside and you always chop towards the middle and then you chop towards the middle again. And you keep piling them together and chopping towards the middle. And you can have this be kind of a thicker leaf you don't have to chop it like super small. It's kind of good to have big, thick leaves of basil so that you get all that flavor in there. Cause your strawberries are kind of big anyway, so it's okay to do that. Once you've had that chopped, throw that in the bowl. Then you're just gonna put about like a half a teaspoon of sea salt in the bowl and then drizzle it with some olive oil, about two tablespoons. You're gonna mix that up. So it's just like all the stuff gets coated and mixed together. Like that. Doesn't that look amazing and tasty? So you can put this pasta over a lot of things. You can put it over zucchini noodles, traditional pasta or pasta, rice, quinoa, like salad, whatever you want. But today we're gonna put it over some pasta. So I already made some pasta right here and we're just gonna put this on a little plate. This usually makes enough for about two to three people, but we're just gonna put enough on this plate. So just put your pesto on your noodles and it's gonna be ready to eat.
That's our show. Thanks for listening. Sign up for our mailing list at foodhealsnation.com and receive a free gift from us. That's right. We have created a brand new guide for you, our Food Heals Nation. Yep. The guide is called Health, Longevity, and Weight Loss Secrets, and it's full of tips, tricks, and secrets collected from some of our favorite guests from the Food Heals podcast. In it, you will learn crazy cool stuff like how to live to 99 with no wrinkles. Susie's grandfather. That's right. How to attract the one. Ooh, how to never get a cavity again. My favorite. Yes, my favorite too. And the real secret to weight loss. Or maybe that's my favorite. They're all my favorites. And And so much more. (laughs) So sign up for our newsletter at foodhealsnation.com. We won't spam you, we promise. No, we won't send you too many emails. Trust us, we're too busy for that anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So go to foodhealsnation.com to get your free guide, Health, Longevity, and Weight Loss Secrets from the Food Heals Podcast by subscribing today. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, developing a more positive outlook on life. In rare cases, women have experienced a strong desire to stop asking their boyfriends if they look fat in this dress. If you experience any of these symptoms, post a selfie to Instagram immediately.